If you're a parent wondering if you're doing it right, you've come to the right place. Because in this podcast, we chat with other parents wondering the same thing. And they're about to give you permission to get creative and parent the way that works for you and your little cuties. This is Making Clemonade by Clementine Kids, and I'm your host, Danelle. Hello and welcome to another episode here on Making Clemonade. Today we have another fantastic interview lined up, Tierra Wages. And Tierra, we're so lucky to have you today. I know that you are a busy mom of four. You have a podcast, which is called I Get It Podcast, which we'll talk about later. Um, you're a photographer, working mom. I mean, it's a crazy time right before school starts. <laughs> it so, is. Yeah. So and we're, we're so lucky going. to smack you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm a huge fan of yours. And yeah, thank you. You're so sweet. Okay. Also side note, you guys just got back from a trip that was like cross nation. Yeah, we have an RV. And so each summer we try to do a big trip. And so we just got back this year. We just went to Iowa. So it's not as far, but we usually go to Portland. I mean, we go all the way. And I'm remind us where your starting point is. You're in Alabama yes, right now. I'm in okay. North Alabama. Yep. Oh my goodness. Which yep. like, can we just take a minute and admire your adorable accent? Cause it's like my favorite part of talking it's to you. It's better through the years. Uh, when I met my husband, it was like, Hey y'all. You know, when I talked to my grandmother, it's still, Hey Nana, I can hear That's it come so out. You cute. know, <laughs> It depends on who you're with that it comes yes. out. I've heard yes. that. I love that so much. So I have to say how we met, we were at a comp, like it was a, a gathering, kind of like an influencer gathering. And yes. we met in the bathroom as we were trying on these different headbands <laughs> yes. and we kept each other in check. Like, did I do this right? Did you do this right? <laughs> yeah. So I was actually on a cross country trip there. We were going to Portland and I saw that this event was happening, just an open invitation. So it's so out of my comfort zone and normal thing that I would do. My husband just pulled up and dropped me off. I didn't know a soul in there. And so I saw you and I was like, she looks welcoming. <laughs> I'm going to talk to her. Maybe she can help me with my headband. <laughs> so they did. They had these headbands. They had these headbands in the swag bags. And all of us were like yes. a little unsure on how to put them on. But yes. oh my gosh, it was so good to meet you. And I just, we talked about this a little bit last week because we were like, I just feel like we had this vibe and this energy that just said, Hey, we're going to work together again in the future. Yes. So I'm so glad we've kept in contact because it's yes. been, it's been a good couple of years. Yeah. Two, two now. years. Holy yes. cow. Yes. Oh my gosh. And what has changed in those two years? It's insane. Looking oh, back. Yes. I know. I know. So nutty. Well, okay. So let's start out by having you just explain a little bit of your kind of your work experience and your background and what you do now, um, as a photographer and, and kind of what your platform is. Yeah, for sure. So I started my business at the age of 21, right out of college, doing photography. It's something I always wanted to do, but didn't think I could actually have a business or make money doing it. So my then fiance, Wes, was like, hey, just set up a website. The next thing I know, I was booking weddings. People actually trusted me to show up to their wedding and capture their day. And so for about 10 years shooting weddings was my focus. During that time, my husband and I traveled all over the world. We went to 30 countries together and documented and just kind of built this life around adventure and love, you know, with shooting weddings, just really believed in couples and women. That's my favorite part is just the bride getting to know her. 
And then as we had kids, that kind of trickled out. You, your Saturdays become more precious. And I just really fell in love with women. <laughs> you know, like I just love motherhood and womanhood and everything that comes with it. And so I've always known that my career and job wanted to be that, just being around women. And so documenting them and shooting them and helping them see who they are in the world, because we often don't see that ourselves. We wake up with our messy bun and yesterday's makeup and dried breast milk on our shirt because we, you know, maybe the kids slept in a little later than they normally do. Actually, they probably didn't. So that dried breast milk was from yesterday <laughs> and we're just still wearing it. And so we just feel this way all the time, but we're so much more than that and the beauty that we offer the world. And so I photograph moms in their element with their families and the way their family see them and let them get that glimpse. And then also entrepreneurs, lady business women and helping promote their products and build their life. And through that, we started a podcast as well. So we Amazing. podcast about marriage and living intentionally. So, yeah. You and your husband work a lot together in a lot of these areas. And that really yes. sounds like it started from day one. Yes, it really did. He worked at a church as well in the beginning. And so about two years into the business, I was finally financially able to hire him full time. And we've worked side by side since So that was 13 years ago. That's incredible. Yeah. I feel like it takes a very special couple to work together. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And even this morning, like we're pulling up to work and we have a team of seven now, you know, and I'm the only girl. And so we're pulling into the parking lot and he's like, you good? I'm like, I'm good. Are you good? You know, it's like, we're already kind of nipping at each other today. And so we just have to reset sometimes before we walk in the door, but it's great. Oh, that's amazing. I, I know my husband and I, we always kind of joke. We're like, we do a lot of things well together. We don't work well together yeah. when, yeah. when there's a creative project at hand or anything like that. So we have to assign like a project manager. Yes. <laughs> it's knowing your strengths, you Definitely. Know, knowing like, this is what you do. Well, you are in charge and I don't need to step over that. And then vice versa. So we don't step on each other's toes. So I, you piqued my interest as you said, you work mostly with women, but mostly like fo photographing women yes. and others, but you're working with a team of men. <laughs> yes. Yes. Talk to me about that. <laughs> well, so at, through the years, our business has kind of transitioned to where the guys on our team, it's become a photo and video production agency. So they are all the video people. They work across the country doing videos for different businesses and authors and all kinds of things. And I mostly focus still on the lifestyle aspect of our photo video part. That's awesome. It's, and I can like knowing you, I could see that you could keep them in their place. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yes. Um, I love, you had talked about on your website, which is just tearwages.com. Is that right? Yeah, it's um, still in the works. So don't judge it if you go there. Oh, but it's so cute. You're your Thank pictures you. are incredible. And it's just so fun to get to know you through that lens as well. And you had mentioned on there that you want women to feel seen. Yes. Um, and you had talked about that just earlier, as you were saying that, I just wanted to know like why that feels like a passion for you. And what if, what if you think you feel comfortable behind the scenes? <laughs> yeah. So I live, I don't know. I it's weird because a lot of people don't understand me because I'm so open. I am 
truly an open book. I don't know how to be any other way. And that started early on in our business where I was had the blog to show the wedding photos. And I can remember our release, like my first blog, Wes and I had gotten into a fight or something. And, and I was just like blogging about marriage in a very open and raw way. And the response that I got was incredible of women just saying, oh, wow, I thought that it was just me, you know, or I thought we were the only ones dealing with this or struggling with this. And that kind of piqued my interest of thinking so often we all feel so alone in the world or that we're broken because we're going through this and nobody else is when in reality the majority of us are going through something similar or we have gone through something similar or i was even thinking today that we've felt the same type of pain so our brain may not register like oh this specific instance is causing me to feel this way but we've had the same pings happen to our brains that we can relate on and so I just, in that moment, I was like, okay, I'm going to, here I am, you know, like I'm going to share everything so people don't feel alone in what they're going through. And I started having brides come in and I was giving them the sex talk before their wedding, you know, <laughs> like I will share with you anything. And because I think when we feel alone, that's when we can allow depression, anxiety to grow and shame, we all have ex- and shame absolutely. And then it creates division in our relationships. And so by saying, hey, we're all in this together. This is normal. This is what I've done to work through it. These are the counselors that I saw. This is how therapy has helped me or exercise or eating this certain thing. We can all help each other grow and be in true community with each other. I love that. And it's it's connection over isolation and being able to, yeah, a community to help heal our own own hurts. That's amazing. I love that. I know being an open book isn't for everyone. You know, I don't say like, get out there and share all of your darkest things with the world, but find your people that you can, you know, have your best friend that you can truly trust and open up to them. So you can still have that type of connection. I love that. And Brene Brown talks a lot about that as well um, in her books about, you know, finding the community that kind of deserves to hear your story. And it might not just be for everybody. Maybe you don't stand up in the middle of the airport and announce (laughs) everything, but, but it is so important to have, to have that tribe in that community. I love that so much. For sure. That's so good. Okay. With everything that you're doing, you, you've got, you know, this business with you and your husband, you've got your kiddos, talk to me about your feelings on the word balance and how that fits into motherhood and how, you know, where to put your time. Yes. And this is something that I think about on a regular basis. (laughs) And before I had kids, a really good friend of mine, my best friend had a baby. And I can remember sitting with her on her couch and her telling me her different roles that she had, you know, a homemaker, wife, mom, she was helping her husband with their business. And then she had one more, but she was like, I can't do all five of these things in one day and do a good job. It's just impossible. And so she was just saying, I need to pick two and put my energy there and devote my time on that day to whatever needs your energy. And so Wes and I have been talking about this a lot lately about shifting our energy and really putting it where we need it to be. And so like we took a trip, the two of us, alone to Miami and connected with each other and put all of our energy into our relationship because our relationship needed it at the time. And then when we came home from Miami, 
we were in a really healthy, great spot. So we were able to shift our energy onto our kids and know that they needed our FaceTime for that next week in our RV, you know, and not, it helped our patients. It helped us just to like, not get aggravated when they needed things from us because we had the energy to give it to them. So every day I just try to look at what things need my energy today and try to put it there. And so if my photography business, if I don't, if I'm like today, I'm all caught up on photos so I can put my energy into my podcast and not even like just close the door on the photography stuff. Don't even think about it so I can dive in there. And so instead of spreading myself out too thin, I'm just thinking what two things can I give to my, myself to today? and put it there and then everything will eventually balance. So it's not balanced in one day, but over time it balances out. That's my goal. What a great way to look at that. It's so funny because I just had this epiphany that was such like a no dumb moment as you were saying that, that I was like, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. But this is like the balance is like a moment to moment thing. It's, it's not, you're not going to take something and run with it for a long period of time. It's constant adjusting. It's constant evaluating. I love that constant grace, you know, because even today things happen, you know, if my kid falls right now at the playground, I'm not planning to be with them today, but I've had a kid fall, break their leg. I need to shift my energy to my kid and then give myself grace. It's okay that there's still laundry, that there's these other things. And I think that's where balance is struggles because we're not giving ourselves the grace where we need and deserve it. And that just sounds like a recipe for anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Which we all struggle with anyway. It's I know. Yeah. <laughs> right. Who's meet somebody who's not anxious. Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. No, that's so good. And I, I even was thinking about that this morning is, um, my son. So we have a rule that my husband has to be the one to deliver a drink, like a, a milk bottle to my son in the morning. Otherwise he asks me to lay down with him. <laughs> so yes. I can't get out of that room without getting suckered into the crib, <laughs> but yes. my husband can. So this morning, my husband wasn't feeling well. So I took the bottle in and of course got sucked into the crib. And I sat there making this to-do list of all the things I, I could be doing. And um, while I was awake at six 30 in the morning and, yes. And I, and I love that word of grace. Like it really just gives such a, it takes off so much weight from your shoulder. As I just sat there and thought, you know what, this is where I need to be right now because this, he won't always pull me into his crib. (laughs) Exactly. And it's a hard thing. Like it's easy to say that it's easy, easy to say, well, give grace, you know, but actually putting it into action is really, really difficult. And it is a constant reminder. And so I'm actually about to just write on sticky notes everywhere, you know, don't forget this or take a breath, you know, just have these little reminders in my house to refocus myself on what I need to be focused on in that moment. And I have to have a clean house or I feel out of control. And so I have to have those moments of saying the kitchen can wait until after lunch. Why am I cleaning the kitchen between breakfast and lunch? I'm about to clean it again. (laughs) You know, give yourself that grace and take a breath and just walk away from it. That's so good. That is so good. Okay. One thing that I've really admired and love to watch you talk about are just the ways that you've been involved in your community. We've had a crazy couple years within the United States (laughs) and I have watched you educate your children in different ways. I've watched you get involved in your community 
And it just kind of made me wonder in a, in today's world, when you're navigating your own beliefs and you're really figuring out where you take a stand yourself, how do you, how do you do that while raising children and teaching them to also have open minds and not, not forcing your beliefs on them or, or different things? How do, how do you handle that with your kids? Yeah, that's really difficult, um, but very easy at the same time, which makes no sense. We, the foundation of our home and our family is to love people, period. And we try to really see people as individuals that have a story and that are built from a complex set of living that we don't understand. I don't know where each individual has come from. And so I'm trying to show that to my kids early on to give people grace and to show up for them because we don't know where they've been. And so we have chosen to do that kind of in a loud way this year and getting involved with our community. And I live in Alabama where we have a history. There is history here. And so part of it is me educating them on the history of what our state has been involved in, you know, between the racial divide and being 50th in education and vaccine rates and and all of the things like Alabama, it just has a tendency to be behind. And so I'm doing that through lots of kids books, (laughs) you know, finding books that are inclusive and that show love and show love without it even being loud, just look diverse, people that look different than you. I'm doing that by taking them to local meetings and town halls and protests and showing them what it looks like to stand up for things and then asking them questions. I ask my kids a lot of questions and I always give them the chance to say yes or no. And so even yesterday, my daughter was asking me something that had to do with Jesus and and my husband and I are Christians. And so my response to her was, well, me and your papa do this because we believe in Jesus. And if you decide to believe in Jesus one day, then you will have that choice to make as well. And this is what it looks like to believe in him. This is what he's called us to do. And so I always leave it for their decision to be made, but I'm never shy away from a question. If they ask me, why are these people walking down the street with signs saying, take it down? I tell them, well, this is our history and this is what it's looked like. And I try not to flinch in those moments. Anytime a kid asks me a question about their bodies or how babies are born or what's happening in the world, I just like in stone face, you know, if I don't act surprised, then they won't think it's a big deal. So I just tell them super open, super honest at their level, obviously, but without them thinking there's something wrong with this question. And then I ask them, how do you feel about that? What's your perspective on it? So they can make the decision for themselves. Wow. And remind us how old your kids are. How old is your oldest? Um, She turned eight this week. So I have eight, six, four, and two. Those are, I mean, those are the ages that questions start coming. For sure. And they are already soaking it in and they are so aware of what's happened in the last two years. You know, we, we think we can shield them from it, but There's only so much we can do when one day there's no masks and the next day there are, they have questions about it. Well, yeah. And so just telling them, I have questions about it a hundred percent, you know? And so it's not that I like turn on the nightly news with them and, and get that perspective, 
but I just share with them facts of what's happening while trying to make it as least scary as possible for them because they, they don't need any extra anxiety either. So, and then asking them how they feel. What a great learning opportunity and great communication to have within the family where really nothing is off limits. I think it just creates this very safe place where they can, they can choose opinions and know that at home, they're not going to be reprimanded or, or judged for that. I think that's incredible. Yes. And it, that is hard to do. A friend of mine, she told me that she made the rule that in their home, that her kids could say anything. As long as they weren't saying anything hurtful to each other, any question, any words, like that was their space to just be themselves. But then of course, when you leave your house, okay, well, we can't, we're not going to talk about sex in the grocery store, you know, like these are our boundaries, but in our house, anything is safe and anything is open. And so I've just really tried to live that way of my daughter. Her thing is, I have a question. I'm like, shoot, baby girl, bring me all your questions and I will try to act calm. You know, whatever is about to come out of your mouth. (laughs) You just take a little bit of a breath, brace yourself. Okay. What's this question? (laughs) What's coming here? You know, I'm ready for it. Oh, that's so good. That is so good. So there, a lot of this podcast is meant for parents to help support other parents. And I think that in parenthood, we often will find ourselves needing to make a decision that's best for us, but that maybe the rest of our community community or the world isn't necessarily promoting. And so sometimes we have to do things that are off mainstream and we have to make some, some tough calls. And as you were talking about where you live and what you're standing up for, I, I just kind of assumed that that was kind of one of those situations where sometimes mainstream is, is going one way and you and your family are going to maybe try to fight to go another way. Um, and I just wanted to see if there were other examples through your career and through parenthood that you could think about that you could share with us of, of when you've had to make some tough calls that just, you'd also like to give permission to other parents that it's, it's okay. It's okay. Not to follow what everybody else seems to be doing. Yeah, for sure. So one with our core value, like we talk about our why a lot in business and and why you do what you do. And, And mine is love. That is my literal reason for living. And so everything that we do, I just go back to, is this showing love to someone or are we receiving love from this? Are we either giving or receiving? And if it doesn't align with that, then it doesn't align with what I'm wanting my kids to see. And so for us, we've even created, had to create boundaries with family and that is difficult. But this last year with everything going on, I had to say, if we go to a family event and these types of conversations are happening, I need to remove my kids from that because it's not healthy for them to hear it out of a hateful perspective. And so that is one area that having permission to protect our kids from different verbiage or, you know, really anything that we feel like is not safe for our kids. Oftentimes we'll stay there because out of obligation, but saying, even with my own family, if this is not a safe environment or something that I want my kids to hear, I'm going to remove myself. So we created boundaries with family. We've created boundaries with school. We decided to do virtual school this this last year instead of sending our kids to school. And that was just the right decision for us at the time. 
And that was really a difficult decision to make, but making those choices for what you know is right. And so for some people sending their kids to school was the right decision. That's why it's different for each family, but just knowing in your heart, this is what my kids need at this moment. I'm just gonna have to say yes to it, even if it's uncomfortable. Yes. I love that. That's hard. We have a rule in our family that we don't make decisions out of fear, scarcity, or obligation. And Mm. we have to revisit that often where we're thinking, you know, are, is the reason that we're moving forward with this decision because we're afraid or because of scarcity or because we feel obligated to, and then we really have to give it a, a hard look and decide that's not our family. We don't make decisions because of those things. Yes. And I operate out of obligation a lot. I struggle with that one specifically. I'm, I am a fearful person, but I can tend to put that boundary up when it's just fear, but obligation, I'm like, Oh, I've just got to do it. You know? So that's the hard one for me to cross over. That's a good, a good role. I I can totally relate to that too, though. Cause I feel like if I'm sitting in a class and they're asking someone to raise their hand and nobody's raising it, I'll be the one that raises it out of obligation. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, I need to feel comfortable. So good. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit again about where people can find you? And um, we also have our rapid fire questions before we end today, but I'd love to just have some, some final thoughts from you on, um, just, just encouragement for moms out there and kind of where people can find you. And then we're going to, we're going to go through these rapid fire questions. Yeah. So encouragement for moms out there is that I've just entered a new season of motherhood that I'm very excited about. I've spent eight years either nursing or birthing babies without a single day's break. Like I went straight from nursing to being pregnant, to having a newborn, doing it all over again. And we just went on our first trip where I didn't have to pack my pump and I didn't have to go to the hotel room every however often and do that. And just having that freedom felt beautiful. And I'm able to connect with my husband in a new way because I'm finally sleeping through the night again. And so I'm just really seeing that Every season that we're in in motherhood is that it is just a season and we all will come out of it and it'll shift. And so even though that season for me of not sleeping through the night lasted eight years, like almost a decade, (laughs) almost a decade of my body belonging to someone else, there is something else on the other side. And I feel just as much joy now with my two to eight year old as I did with my fresh babies and that you will be you again. And it is so nice to finally feel like myself and not just this like body giving life all the time again. So there's life on the other side. You I know? love that. <laughs> like, there is, you will there sleep is again. There you is will hope. sleep again. Yes. Yes. And so that is really nice. And then you can find me at Tira Wages, T-E-R-A on Instagram. I love to connect through Instagram but also my podcast and my husband's podcast is I get it. And you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts where you're listening to this one right now. And we talk raw conversations about all parts of marriage. We say that we share things that you typically don't even talk to your best friend about. And it is not always tiny ears appropriate because we want to talk about the real stuff. So if you want to have those conversations, you can find me there. So good. So good. All right. Okay. For these rapid fire questions, what is the, your go-to pump up song when you're needing motivation? Love shack. 
hundred <laughs> percent. Every wedding I've ever done when Love Shack comes on, I'm in the middle of the dance floor. You're like, look, I can't photograph this right now. <laughs> no, no, you will not get a single picture from that song. I am bang, bang, banging. On oh the door, my baby. gosh. I yes. love that. I seriously, I said this before on episodes, but once we get enough of these like episodes under our belt, I want to put a playlist, a Spotify playlist together of yes. everyone's responses awesome. because it will be my go-to like house cleaning playlist. A hundred percent. Yes. Okay. What is the best life lesson that your parents gave you? Um, that would be that family goes beyond blood. And I come from a very blended family. There are five of us kids, but we are as blended as you could be. And we are, we're family. And so that has really helped me to find those friendships, those people in my life that they are my family now. And we love each other in that way and teaching my kids how to love people beyond blood. And so that, that would be it. That's beautiful. That's a great lesson. And what, what's the craziest thing you've done out of desperation as a parent yourself? Um, there are several, I mean, I've definitely left my house with multiple types of body fluid on me because I was too tired to even change clothes for the third time, but probably the most desperate would be bribing my kids with candy to sleep in their beds. <laughs> sleep is like the most important thing <laughs> to me. And so I'm like, yeah, you can pick any piece of candy when you wake up in the morning, if you don't get out of your bed tonight. First thing in the morning, we're doing candy balls. Oh yeah. <laughs> That's so we had a candy basket for a couple of morning. They started their day with a piece of chocolate or whatever they wanted no questions asked. <laughs> Fantastic. That's yes. so good. I'm going to keep that one in mind when we transition to a toddler bed. <laughs> uh, yes. We just did with our two-year-old. He two nights in a row in his big boy bed. He did so it. It was that chocolate. It. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. And I haven't had to do it with him yet. We've transitioned oh, <laughs> out of that phase, but yeah, because I don't feel oh, as desperate so now good. as I used to. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you could go back in time, what parent hack would you give yourself permission to start doing without the fear of being shamed or feeling guilty? Okay. This one is fresh for me right now because I'm feeling regret over not doing stuff out of shame. And so that would be being the annoying parent to my kids, teachers and their principal in the way of not like pestering them. I think teachers are genuinely the gift to the world, the greatest humans but more on asking questions, how is my kid doing? What can I be doing better to support them? Last year I sent, I did virtual for kindergarten with my son and I never asked any questions. And now this year we are kind of paying that price of not asking the questions. And I should have just reached out and been like, hey, I need help here. And I guess that's what it is. It's not even pestering that just being like, I need help, I need support. Can you help me being so, the advocate for the help. Yeah. Being the advocate for them. And I wanted to send him back the last, the last nine weeks. Cause I had the option, but I didn't want to be that annoying parent that sent my kid back the last nine weeks. And now I'm like, dang it. Why didn't I do that? He needed it. Yeah. So I prioritize someone else's feelings and what they would think about me over what my kid needed me to do for them. And so you that said that it. and it resonated so much with me. We had an experience recently where I felt that way. And I just thought never again, do I want to feel like I compromised my child's well-being over somebody else's feelings? Yeah. 
while still telling the teachers, you're incredible. I love you I so know. much. Thank you for helping me. <laughs> yeah, of Here course. Isn't, you know, oh, but yeah. like, yes, no, I'm so glad. teachers as well, yeah. but yeah. I'm so glad you said that too. Cause I, I was, you know, in the moment you kind of feel like you're the only parent who does that, <laughs> who makes that mistake. Yes. So I'm like, yes, I'm so yes. glad. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I don't want to be annoying, but my kid needs me to be annoying. Sometimes they need me to ask the questions. I love that. Yeah. Such good feedback from you today. Again, we can't thank you enough for joining us today. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll put all of your um, links in the bio as well, so people can connect awesome. with you there. And awesome. thanks for joining us on another episode today. We'll see you next week. This episode was brought to you by Clementine Kids. Check out our crib sheets, quilts, swaddles, and art prints at clementinekids.com and follow us on Instagram at clementinekids.